0: You do not want to do what my boy did. At 44, he got divorced. I said, where are you going, stupid? You're short, fat, bald, and ugly. Where the fuck are you going? You're lucky she touched you. Where are you going? He's like, I want to see what's out there. Loneliness, fucker, loneliness. (laughs) Stay where you're at.
1: Hello and welcome to the comedians paradise this is the podcast where we speak to scintillating transcendent and adventurous comedians from across the comedy world and today's guest well i don't want to upset him because he may sort me out if i'm not careful no (laughs) this guy richard villa he's lived a very colorful life he's gone from selling crack smuggling illegal immigrants and now he's gone to the mad world of comedy please welcome the amazing the fantastic
0: Richard Villa. How's it going, guys? <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. You're waking me up. We're in California right now. It's early up here for a comedian. It, it is a beautiful
1: place. I, I mean, are you are you in LA, the big the big the yeah. city of angels? Yes, we're in LA. I, I am so jealous of the weather in LA, and when I go there, it's 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 got a very I went to all the nice parts, but it's got a very—I don't know—it's a very chill, chill sort of feel. But also very pl- plastic as well, and people smiling and being nice, and then saying this guy's a prick behind my back.
0: Yep, and it's twenty Celsius. It? Twenty Celsius—the cold, like the coldest it would get. Twenty Celsius—that's it. But you're obviously you're not you're
1: in, not you're not in Compton now. You're you're in you're in. I'm guessing you have oh, a no, comfortable life. A bit.
0: Yeah, it's the, there's like suburbs, there's like the outskirts of LA, like as soon as I made money, I got out. I'm raising a family now, so I go out to the suburbs, buy a home, and we live comfortable out here. And then I drive into the madness that is Hollywood, <laughs> LA, and I'll fight with the demons of the industry and make money, and then I drag it back home. That's what I
1: do every day. But what, what is... What is... If you're going to recommend a place in L.A. to live that's comfortable, cool, and not completely crazy, and you're not going to have a homeless person bother you, where do you go? Uh
0: Palos Verdes, uh, that's a good area. Burbank is nice if you want to be close to Hollywood. Um You know, there's, there's areas that you can definitely live away from L.A. that you can live comfortably and then drive in. I would say Malibu, but just to drive out there and then you're so secluded. So far, just Malibu seems so far, but yeah, there's definitely areas.
1: And like you've, you've, I mean, I've watched the podcast, but for anyone that doesn't know about you, you've had, uh, you've, you've been through all sorts of stuff, like the things that comedians claim about bad gigs or someone saying something offensive, it is all peanuts to you. Tell us a bit of a summary of like your life and how you got into being a comedian.
0: Uh, the whole thing with, with comedy for me was the attention I got when I was a kid. Like, my dad was, if you, if you look, look more into my history, you'll know who my dad was. And I talk about him freely. Is He wasn't a good guy. Like, he was, <laughs> he was into drugs and he was into a bunch of other shit. So, by the way, can I curse on this podcast? You can swear. You can say whatever you want. I just want to make sure I don't get you in trouble. So, uh but yeah he was that kind of guy so he would come home drunk and he would he taught me how to tell all these dirty jokes so i can entertain his friends and i saw the power of laughter and how good it made me feel it was like a rush
1: this is a five-year-old
0: i'm five years old and my dad would pull me out of bed at three in the morning and he would be drinking with his friends and he would encourage you to tell him the jokes some jokes i taught you this all in spanish these are called pepito jokes and i would tell them the jokes and they would laugh and I would get a dollar out of this. But in the morning, my mom would wake up and go, Lolo, did you take the kid out? And she can smell the smoke and the beer on me. And she'd go, why are you taking him out? I peed my pants. Of course, I've been drinking beer and smoking cigarettes all night. And they think it's hilarious that I'm taking these jokes. So coming from a big family and being the kid that he selected to come out and tell jokes, was really like different for me. I felt like the power of laughter. So as I as I got older, I realized, hey, this could be a career. This could be a job. So I was like, shit, I want to do this. I want to. I want to do this type of work. So I just, you know, kneel, uh leaned into that as I got older. And when you were like,
1: because when you involved like the trafficking and like selling drugs, does that? I mean, with all those things that have happened. does does it give you like an ocean of material to use on stage?
0: Of course. When your life has been a movie, people go no. I just never thought it was interesting. It's weird. the beginning of my career, I would joke about stuff that was going around, things that I would see. As I got older, I realized as I was telling people and I was doing interviews, people were just amazed of my upbringing. And they were like, wow, that happened to you? Yeah. And I just felt like, didn't it happen to everybody? Like, no, that doesn't happen to everybody. That doesn't happen to you. Like, we all sell crack at 10. Like, you sold crack cocaine at 10. Like, we didn't. Like, you were involved in those deals when you were 10. We we didn't do that shit. Uh, you understand? My family didn't smuggle illegals into this country. Your family did. Like, I didn't grow up that way. So, People in the hood that grew up around me, this wasn't impressive. So we never thought it was impressive or, or it's something different until I got older and I realized, oh, shit, this, this doesn't happen to you. Then I saw, oh, I'm going to talk about this then. And, then. and when I started talking about it, people went, oh, my God, this is so crazy. How the hell does that happen? I'm like, I don't know. It's just life. <laughs> That's why I don't mess with the audience. I have so much to tell you. I mean, comedians now, they have this trend of messing with the audience. I don't have time for that. I got so much other shit to tell you about my life. And it's my life. So don't get offended at my life. Like, if my life bothers you, go fuck yourself. Go get your own life. What I'm telling you is what happened to me. It should not offend you or trigger you in any way.
1: Do you get anyone going, Uh, excuse me, what you said about being fat is offensive do you get any how do you deal with like audiences coming up and like trying to cancel you or to say don't don't book this prick like you must get a lot of that lots of the cancellation
0: culture that's going on now it's it's like when you throw up on a ride do you sue the amusement park no why because you were
1: well, it could, if I wouldn't, if I was ill
0: or something. Okay, I, okay. So, so you you see the amusement park, you see the rides, and you get on the roller coaster, and you throw up after you get off the roller coaster. Do you sue the amusement park?
1: I Unless, the, I probably wouldn't, no. It would take something a lot for me to want to cause an why issue to someone you, else.
0: Why, why wouldn't you sue the amusement park? The ride made you sick. Why wouldn't you sue the amusement park?
1: Because I don't want to. Because it's a lot of hassle going out suing people. It's a yeah. lot of um...
0: plus. Plus, a lot of people are gonna go. You, you got on that. You knew what you were getting. Now, if my comedy makes you sick, my com- you knew what you were getting. Why are you complaining now? Especially now in this era. Of technology, if you're still, if you walk into my comedy show and you feel offended, you're an idiot. You could have looked up a video, it takes seconds for you to see who I am and then make a decision is this the kind of comedy I wanna go see? If in 2023, going into 2024, you're still offended at a comedian, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You have all these resources to find out is this the kind of show I wanna see? It's just the kind of roller coaster ride I want to get on. You have that power now. So by you coming to my show and saying you're offended, you can go fuck yourself. You're an idiot. I don't deal with you. Smart people understand I don't want to see his comedy, so I won't go buy his ticket. And then people that see my comedy go, now that's what I'm talking about. That's the real motherfucker I want to go see. That's it. Some people don't want to know the truth. Some people do.
1: Do we, I mean, there's a lot of mad people in comedy. There's a lot of mad people that go into comedy. But we've mm. had, there's quite a few things that I've seen. Like, I had a f- person on the podcast who said he went to South Africa. And there's, you know, if they bomb on stage, they may die twice. There's people in Soweto and the slums going out with their guns out. And then there's, I know there was a guy that was in Edinburgh who I interviewed a podcast who got punched by a woman. And, He was lucky he didn't get any trouble because there was CCTV footage of her punching him. But if he didn't have that, there's a culture of you're guilty till proven innocent. And he could have been in all sorts of shit because of it. First
0: of all, with the whole thing of comedy, people don't understand comedy, stand-up, stand-up, particularly stand-up. See, people around the world are not doing stand-up those people that are getting puns those people it's because they go on stage thinking oh i have a microphone now and nobody's going to do anything to me these people don't understand the game they don't know that this is stand-up that you're allowed to say these outrageous things these people are regular people seeing your performance for the first time they're going to take it as a personal insult if you say something to them that's why you shouldn't mess with the audience you have to educate it around the world Educate people on what is stand-up. Now, has it happened to me? Yes, in Mexico. Oh, And in, in even shows here. When I go to Mexico and I perform in Mexico City or I'm performing in Tijuana, Mexico or in different states of Mexico, uh, I remember performing here in LA in a Mexican restaurant. And as I'm performing, a gentleman puts out a little, little note and sends it to me. And when I open it up, it says, <laughs> bájale de huevos, o te los bajo yo. And that was it. I'm messing with the audience. I'm riffing, I'm, I'm, I'm heckling, I'm, I'm messing with the audience. And the guy tells the bartender or the waiter here, give him this note. When I'm giving the note, I read it. I continued the show. I didn't say anything. I was done. The promoter of the the bar that I was performing in grabbed me, took me through the back door and said, go home. You're done. Go. Go. Because if you stay here, this motherfucker is going to kill you. Go. You insulted him. Go. That note means he's going to fuck you up when this thing is over. Go. That's it. I had to understand that these people here don't understand the concept of stand-up. So I understood that that place needs to be taught or educated on what stand-up is. What's going on is the the world of stand-up is growing and people are embracing the art, but people, the audience are not being educated on what it is. So I think that's important, you gotta do that. Now, I understood, hey, I'm never gonna go back there because they don't know how to do stand-up. They don't understand what this is.
1: Do, does it get a bit mad where someone gets offended and they maybe even follow you to gigs or they try and... Because I know with celebrities in the UK, you get people following people into houses. I know that one comic friend of mine in London, he said a very offensive jokes on like trans and people in Thailand, and the trans person got him canceled from quite a few clubs in London.
0: Uh, uh, does that happen to me? Yeah, like for example, for me, I had in the pandemic, I'm with uh, a comedian uh, doing a roast, and he's a pretty massive guy. And so we're doing this roast. And when I'm doing this roast, I go hard. Like I start calling her a bitch. I start just insulting this girl on a roast. And the entire, everybody that was watching just goes offended. And everybody gets involved. The newscast gets involved. So all of Mexico now starts canceling me for a roast that was on YouTube. It was a roast. Like I didn't pick her as an opponent. They said, that's your opponent. So I went at it hard. And and they just got so offended. They're like, I can't believe you called her a bitch. How could you say that? I was like, it's a rose. Oh, no. How could you? Dude, that was it. Everybody, I was getting death threats from people in Mexico who say you'll never work here again. I'm like, dude, I don't know if you know this, but I don't need the pesos. I'm already in America. <laughs> you understand? It's like, I, I, if I do it the other way, I'll go broke tomorrow. Like, I can't make pesos. <laughs> I
1: live in America. It's is the the but you you've you've had a big influence on Spanish speaking comedy in LA. Yeah. and did you yeah. also have an influence in comedy in Mexico as well that like you created?
0: No, this happened in okay. 2013. I, I went to Mexico City looking for stand-up. And 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 what I'm telling you is because I've been doing this for 23 years. Okay. And when I go to Mexico City looking for stand-up, when I find stand-up in Mexico City, I realize that. The audiences there are being groomed through a place called the Beer Hall, the first stand-up club that that existed in Mexico City. And and the the comedians that you see now, most of them came from that hub. In 2013, I was now doing stand-up in Mexico City. By 2014, I was on television because I had already a background in in stand-up. So it was very easy for me to just switch from English to Spanish. I've been speaking Spanish all my life, and I'm fluent. So I was easily, I was easily, I was, I was able to easily now start doing Spanish comedy in Mexico City. So I got picked up right away. Like, wow, you're good, man. Of course I'm good. I've been doing it for 14 years. You guys just started maybe three years ago, so I'm ahead of the curve. I get on television. Soon as I fly in from my first television uh, performance in Mexico City, I get, I get to LA, and bam, uh, I get my series, eight episodes of a stand up series called Seguir la Risa in Spanish. I was like, wow, this Spanish thing takes off. So then I start, just keep going, keep going on television, HBO. We got on uh, Netflix. We got on, uh, on what else did we get on? On Televisa, Telemundo. I mean, every network had picked it up. Um, And now I'm touring. Now I'm touring all over the U.S., the U.S. doing Spanish comedy. uh, Bringing in the influence of Spanish comedy to the U.S., all of a sudden, the improv now. I started producing shows with the improvs, and now these Spanish comedians are now coming into the U.S., and they're performing at these improvs and setting oh. up in Spanish. So you have Spanish comedians now really making a name for themselves in the U.S., thanks to all this movement I kept pushing back in 2013. It's, is it more
1: lucrative than general mainstream gigs in America? Because I know in the U.K., Apparently, the the black gigs pay a lot more than the mainstream gigs, generally.
0: Uh, of course, that's uh, that's always the case. But what I'm talking about, mainstream gigs, are you saying the main comedy clubs, right?
1: Well, just gigs on like the live circuit.
0: The live circuit, which is uh, settled com, I mean settled spots, like people that already have an established comedy spot, right? yeah let's say that yeah okay like improvs like the because the improv has a chain of these things all over the country okay that makes sense so when you have a chain of these basically you start working door deals as a comedian okay you sell your own tickets now and that's another uh, topic about social media and how marketing happens but but at least here in the u.s that's how it works now now i get to go to all these improvs and do spanish comedy and use their small theaters to just perform in Spanish. So all over the U.S. because it's so infiltrated. It uh, has so many Latinos in in the U.S. now that can support a market. Do, do you
1: do a lot of the same jokes, or just changing words in there? Do you have to do completely different sets?
0: Sometimes the jokes translate, sometimes they don't. But for the most part, I've learned how to adapt my Latino, uh, family and everything. That's why my Latino, my Latino background, that is very traditional. I've managed to know how to adapt it easily to the English language. So I would know, okay, this doesn't work in Spanish this way. And this doesn't work in English this way. So my, my, my uh, memory muscles just set up that way where I, I hear a joke and right, right away I'm, I'm translating it and putting it in both languages and see if it works. Sometimes I find into situations where I go, no, because this, this is the key word and they're not going to understand this one. So that's why the joke doesn't work. But I can figure it out right away and go, okay, this will never be a Spanish joke or this will never be an English joke. Oh, okay. But, yeah.
1: I've got a dodgy question to ask you and I'm going to ask it. As a, when I'm doing a regular set, I dress up as Zorro and I call myself Asian Zorro. Would that be offensive in America? Asian Zorro? Yeah, what do you call I, call it? My, I call myself Asian Zorro on stage. I get in the whole full gear. You've seen the film with Zoro and Antonio Banderas. I dress in the full yeah. gear. I put on the accent and I just do a set on it.
0: I don't think anybody would care. <laughs> I don't think anyone would care. be like, why is he wearing a Zorro suit? I don't know. Fuck like it. It is what like it is. <laughs> they'll be like, oh, I oh, know. I found that
1: when I do it with Spanish speaking people, they laugh at how inaccurate my Spanish is or how crap I do it rather than anything else. Are you doing Spanish comedy too? No, not yet. But oh. I might. <sighs> no, not yet. Not yet. I've tried doing French. I did a gig in French without knowing any in French. And it went a couple of times and they've gone quite well and but they've been funny in a very awkward way <laughs> i'll be trying to trans, do, translate one of my english jokes into french and i'll forget a punchline and everyone yeah. can tell that i don't know french and they uh-huh. we we all laugh together at the awkward situation but uh would you ever do that would you ever go into like a language you, you don't know like mandarin or something and just go <laughs> straight
0: oh <laughs>
1: Ever. <laughs> Ever. I would no. What what's um. So with the mad stuff that goes in comedy, does how does, I mean, you've you've already mentioned before that like your your life has given a lot of grit. Like, what have been examples of over your twenty three years where the grit that you've developed through your life. prepared you for the challenge of being a comedian that a lot of people wouldn't be able to prepare for?
0: Uh, mm, I think, okay, my count would, but the fact that I've been able to maneuver through drugs, like the world of drugs is very influential and also the entertainment world everywhere you go you're going to be the party scene and so not losing your head not losing your 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 nut and going oh shit i've never seen this before what is i i was so educated on what the drug world was and and what it all did also the the effects of cocaine the effects of crack so you kind of knew how to respect that type of drugs and, and you knew how to respect the game in that sense so in that sense i was well educated in group Coming into this entertainment world of comedy, I also understood like a lot of the the psychology behind drug dealing and also the mentality behind uh, comedy. If you start looking at similarities, you will find so many similarities. And just the way people maneuver and people act. When somebody wants something from you, how do they act? When somebody wants crack from you, how do they act? And those little manualisms you pick up on how to read people. Because people lie to you all the fucking time. Crackets and, co- and co- kits, I don't know if you know this, they will lie to you and you learn how to pick up on liars. And so a lot of these little things that I learned as a kid, and these are things that my dad would point out and go, check this out, check this out, check this out. And you just learn and you pick up. So in the world, you kind of never become the mark. You're kind of always on your toes. Your, your head's always on a swivel. Just, hey, it is what it is. I knew how to stay out of trouble. I knew how to read trouble. I said, ah, shit, I know where this is going. Let's get the fuck out of here. So just having that ability uh, helped me survive and create that grid and and that that ability to just detect things and go, "Ah, I got to get away from that.
1: What what have been instances you've, and you, you don't have to say if you don't want to, but what have been instances where you've noticed similarities between like comics in the way they behave like what's a specific example don't say any names or anything that's well, similar to a incident even have with drug dealers or someone dodgy in your other life
0: oh when when you know somebody's gonna underbid you when you know somebody's already taking your gig when somebody's working the promoter you know oh. what i mean like it's supposed to be the host of the show and all of a sudden they kick you out i've had incidents w- when i was running the refry shows at the hollywood improv um comedians would sneak up and 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 tell the promoter, hey, kick him out, let me do Friday nights. But what they didn't know that I kept tipping the waitstaff and the wait staff stayed loyal to me. And you need street motherfuckers like that that'll come down and tell you, hey, so-and-so just talk to the producer. They're trying to get the show, they're trying to give them your show. So you you are alert, you go upstairs right away and the conversation ends. Um, you understand? Okay. It's so so. Just that type of shit that's happened with with comedians that have been trying to be shady, trying to get gigs out of you. Meaning these are your gigs. Do you already have customers coming? you understand? Once once they know a place is doing comedy and, they, and they're and and it's killing it and it's a popular place, people automatically came. I mean, the refresh shows were nights where people just didn't get in some nights. The place <laughs> is packed. I had to hide inside and I couldn't go outside. So they let me smoke on top of the roof because people would get upset that they couldn't get into the show. And they knew I ran the show. I called the shots. I can get whoever I needed in.
1: Ah, okay. Of course. Of so course. it was
0: that type of show. So, cause it was so popular. Now anybody that just stepped into my spot as a host would just enjoy the fruits of my fucking hard work. Oh shit. This is great. It's already packed. People just come. What's
1: one thing that I, you probably get this a lot as well, but a common thread is the more comedian claims to be a nice person on stage, or like the more they say they're feminist or they they do this or that, they're often the opposite. Do you, mm-hmm. is that, what, what was it like in that world in terms of like how people would pretend to be, they're an all right person, but obviously they're not.
0: Oh, that's everybody. Nobody's as good at this, as they say and nobody's as bad as they say. It's about you. How do you feel about that person? I, I mean, in, in my world, what, what you're saying is, does that happen here? Yes. It happens all the time. Could, uh, there's comedians that are pretending to be somebody else. But the problem is this. We're living in a world where you have to be transparent because there's no more secrets. You try to hide yourself, they're gonna record you. Everybody has a camera now. You gotta be who you say you are. If not, you, you gotta be transparent. If not, people are gonna get you. That's it. So you can lie on stage and say all this. Now keep in mind, too, that's a persona. That's a show. I don't want people to hold people accountable for what they say on stage. That's an entertainment. That's a that's like a movie. That's like you're going, wait a minute. In Schindler's List, that's not what happened. Relax, this is dramatization so it looks better on camera. Relax, you know what I mean? This is, this, of course that didn't happen, but we needed to look like this. Does that make sense? So as a comedian, you have the right to embellish. You're not producing a documentary. You're not supposed to hit the facts. You're supposed to entertain. Sometimes it's the pie in the face but he got shot in the face. Yeah, but I, if I say pie, it's funnier. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you do, should you be yourself? Yes, you should be yourself, but once you start waving a flag and it's not really who you really are, you're gonna get caught. So those hmm. days are coming to an the end. What?
1: Oh, what? There's something I wanted to say, but I've forgotten it now. Bam. <laughs> The <clears throat> one, yeah, I I had a I spoke to a lady on the podcast, I think about a week ago, Helen Pryor, and she's from Russia and she's come to the UK. And the, there's a thing that's been going in the UK where comedians complain about being abused or different things. But she, she's one of the things she said. She's had a lot of bad things happen to her, but she said it happened. Th- but she also had cancer, and she's a five survivor, survivor of that. And she's like. That stuff happened 30 years ago. I don't want to w- worry about the past. And she wants to move on from that. What do you think of some of the things that happen to comedy or comedians, that are the outrage and the anger they get over? I mean, you mentioned earlier that there's a lot of things you see with some people in comedy and different things where they get offended, get angry, and cause all this uproar over little things. What are things that specific that you look at in comedy and people in entertainment? They get really offended, get really angry and they make a big deal of where well, you're like, what? This is nothing.
0: Um, Sorry. Thought I heard something. Oh, no. um, Your name. I, can I tell you something that bothers me? Your name. If, <laughs> if If I'm not friends with you, if we don't hang out all the time. I don't know your name, you don't know my name, we just met today. And, and I'm gonna introduce you on stage and I forget your name or I mispronounce your name. get over it. get the fuck over it I I, I literally will stop talking to you period <laughs> if you're petty like that if you're petty like that you know what you do when somebody doesn't remember your name you make sure they never forget it. you go up there and you destroy and when you destroy, People are going to come up to me and tell me, hey, who was that? Now I better fucking know your name. Do you understand? Make me know your name. If I fuck up your name and you go up there and you start talking shit about me because I didn't pronounce your name correctly, go fuck yourself. We're never going to work again. I never want to see you again. The only way I will talk to you again is if somebody in the audience comes to me and says, hey, who was that guy? then it will be worth the time for me to go see who the fuck you are. But if you go up there and start talk sh- sh- talking shit about me, and then after that you do your material and you eat shit, that's why nobody fucking knows your name. Does that make sense? So for people to get mad and get up, say, how ah, you need to say my name, girl, shut the fuck up. Earn the respect, go on stage, kill it, motherfucker, so I can go fucking remember your name. So I can go, who is doing that? What is his name again? Let me react that way. Give me that. Stop bitching and whining because somebody didn't remember your name. You know why nobody remembers your name? Because you fucking suck. Stop. <laughs> That's bro. it. That bothers me, bro. That re- I stop having fucking relationships with people. Go, go fuck yourself and your fucking name. That's it. Done. What do you
1: make of the cliques that go on in Los Angeles? Because in every big comedy city, there's cliques and they bitch about, oh, if you're friends with that one, you can't go into that club. What what's your happens th-
0: everywhere. Yeah, fuck those cliques. Fuck all those cliques. <laughs> and I, and this is from a guy that made it the biggest clique out here of Latinos, Refrain. Refrain Comedy was the biggest clique. We went fucking all over the US and fuck that clique. Fuck all that shit. Fuck all that. Just worry about yourself. The reason they have cliques, Is because they're trying to disguise their mediocrity among each other. If you're fucking phenomenal and you're excellent and you're going to be a megastar, you don't need shit around you. You need people that believe in you. That's definitely what you believe, but you don't need other motherfuckers that are in the same fucking hole as you are. Okay, You need other people that are out of the hole and saying, yes, you can still do it. But you don't need this piece of shit or that piece of shit. It's you. And you're a megastar. You know what you got. Not
1: do you but with with do you feel that if you're in them too much they're going to hold you back from being as good a comic as you could be
0: of course if you're in a group you're going to move slower than if you were alone if you're if you're alone you who are you asking permission to move nobody you do you when you have a group everybody has to agree now you can't what did you just say earlier oh you can't hang out with that group oh fuck so i can't do that tv show now because they got a tv show and they're all booking it and they have a friend that's booking it so now i'm not going to do that because i'm part of this group. you see how you limited yourself now
1: it, that yeah. sort of thing used to be a much bigger thing than it is now I mean, with social yeah. media, it's sort of changed the game where you don't have to be into that. But before, I'd say that was that would be a much bigger thing. Much, much bigger thing.
0: Stop, stop trying to impress people that don't like you. Just do your shit. That's it. Don't focus on anybody around you. The reason you're doing that is because it's a security blanket because nobody teaches you how to do stand-up. Nobody teaches you. you just You're blind out there. And the, everybody else is blind too. Is the blind leading the blind. None of you fucking know how to do this shit. Just fucking create your own plan and say, this is what I'm going to do. This is the shit that I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And fuck everybody else around you. Why? Because they're not you. The reason people can't stop what I'm doing is because it's me. I Only I know where the fuck I'm going. And I'm not telling anybody. Now, once I create a path, if you want to come behind me, you're more than welcome. I'm not an asshole. I'm not closing down the fucking door. I'm not fucking burning down the bridge. I'm saying I'm gonna go create my own path. Fuck it, it is what it is. Oh, you can't do that. Who the fuck are you to tell me what the fuck I can do? (laughs) You know what I mean? I do whatever the fuck I want.
1: We do have a lot of judge and jury going on in the West. With a lot of us think that we're the judge and jury of people. We're not.
0: That's fine. That's fine. They can do whatever they want. But you only do whatever you want. You understand? You can only be judged by you. it's the problem. It's we dwell and do worry about petty shit. If you just worry about yourself, you're good. That's it.
1: Yeah, I suppose. so. Uh, bloody hell! This is. I need to pay pay. I need to pay you for this. This, this is. <laughs> this is no. This is. This is. What, what's? Has there been any moment in comedy that's shocked you? That's even even with everything that's happened. Is there anything that's really sort of made you question humanity in comedy?
0: Hmm. Comedy shocked me. I think just the fact that somebody like Will Smith and Chris Rock and what happened there with the slap, it was just such a disrespect for the art of standup, like as an artist, you got up and you slapped me, and you didn't respect the fact that this is my craft, this is my art. It's like somebody painting, and you slap him because you're offended, or somebody you're slapping somebody because of what they're singing. Can you imagine that? We didn't see it in that perspective. Of if you see a singer and you go up and you slap him, well, I was offended with what his he was saying about the girl, bro chill the fuck out this is his art he's singing if you don't like something you talk to him but no he he disrespected the art of stand-up so much that he decided i'm gonna get up and this re- and just disrupt what's going on and i'm gonna slap him. that's his monologue bro that's his set those jokes were written they weren't by accident that is shocking to me another artist disrespecting another, another artist that way especially a, a guy that I thought was a comedic artist that understood this is comedy
1: yeah I'm, but
0: it was a funny thing because
1: it looked like this looked like he didn't mind it but it looked like that Jada Pickett Smith sort of pushed him to do it more so than
0: well, well I don't give a fuck who did it you <laughs> asked me a question something that this really bothered you it's happening comedy that. You disrespected our art of stand-up. You, by being Will Smith, gave a green card, a green a green card, a green light to everybody in America and or around the world to attack a comedian if you don't like what they say. Remember when I told you about training the audience? He's now training the audience to it's okay. If he talks about your wife, get up and hit him. Do you understand? The fact that comedians stood up and started talking shit because they didn't kill, uh, they didn't didn't kick out Will Smith. They even gave him an award afterwards. That's how the Academy handled that. So that could have went the opposite way where stand-up comedians are not getting assaulted because Will Smith set the precedent. If if you don't like what the comedian is saying, hit him. That's how we deal with this. Bullshit,
1: dude. Is but you mentioned as well before that with the cameras going on and things, you've got to be more authentic. Do you feel that this is going to go on for maybe five or 10 years where people are going to get that, but then it's going to change back around again and things are going to...
0: I think when, I think everybody's getting canceled. So I think the cancel culture is going to cancel itself out. Does that make sense? Because none of us are perfect. At, at the end of this is snake is eating the snake. The cancer culture is the snake eating the snake. You're, you all have errors and we all make mistakes. We're all going to be part of the cancer culture one way or another. Everybody is. Yeah. Because if you, you judge somebody, somebody else is going to judge you. You want to stay away from the cancer culture? Stop judging people. And they won't judge you. Nobody digs through your shit if you're not digging through theirs. You become a troll, people start trolling you. So what do you do? You stop trolling because we all have something to hide. Yeah. So that's it. It's a snake eating the snake. That's cancel culture.
1: And what, what would you? What, what advice would you give to Matt Wife?
0: <laughs> what advice would I give to your wife?
1: To Matt Wife, Matt
0: Wife, Matt Wife, not well, my wife. Matt, I thought you said <laughs> Matt wife. I said stop. I would never give your wife any advice, but Matt right Um. I've known him for years, man. I've known him since he started in L.A. He was a young kid. Him and Dylan Garcia would go at it. Um, I'd say keep doing what he's doing. Um, stay who you are. If people had a perception of who they thought you were, then that's on them. And now you're showing them who you are, that's fine. Just keep being who you are. Don't don't lie, and don't lie, especially right now, because he doesn't have any overhead. He hasn't indulged in his fame yet. He, ha- I'm pretty sure, he doesn't even have time to buy shit yet. Right now, he needs to stick to his guns and still stay who he is. Do his jokes how he wants to do them. That's it.
1: One of the things that I always find quite funny, whether it be uh, audience members or even other comedians when they're judging another comic, uh, if you're not, I think judging someone unless you've seen them live, is a wrong thing. Like judging how someone good is. Lewis like C.K., before I saw him live, I didn't have reservations, but when I saw him face to face, I saw how incredible he was. And a lot of people say that Matt Wife is, you've heard it, I've heard it, people say that he's a bad comic or whatever. But have you seen him live? It may not look on TV, it may not be as good, but have you seen him live? you are not seen him live, you can't really judge him how good he is.
0: I've, I've seen him live. I've seen his Netflix special, I've seen it, but you become so sensitized to comedy that instead of laughing, I'm analyzing. Does that make sense? So it's really hard for me. And I'm talking about friends of mine, good comedians that I am I'm, I'm admiring the special, not because I'm laughing, because I'm thinking of the wittiness of the joke. I'm like, ah, that type of feeling. Not the, ah, like a, the regular fan would have. Because my mind works differently now. I'm so jaded. I'm so. I'm so like my head is so saturated with comedy that it really has to be something that I've never seen before. So for me, I'm looking at Matt. I'm going like, dude, the kid is right. The kid is doing it good. The, the, the kid has it. But is it blowing my mind away? No, it's not blowing my mind away because I know how the sausage is made. <laughs> so the magic tricks that you're teaching, that you're showing the audience, I know how they were made and I could see them coming, but that's just me. A guy like like Chappelle, I feel the same way about him. And I admire Chappelle so much, but I, as I'm listening to him, it's more like watching a documentary or watching an informative video where somebody is explaining to you something that is happening in America and I'm like, wow, it's true. But I'm not cracking up, I'm not laughing. And then sometimes Chappelle has that, boom where he gets you with a joke that you weren't expecting. I mean, suck my dick, bitch! <laughs> and You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and now you're laughing. So that's the magic of Chappelle that I think Matt Wright eventually will get it, man, if he keeps working at it. But he has the platforms now. He has the stages. He has the theaters to practice. Does that make sense? To be great, you need to practice. So he's he's on his way if he keeps going at it.
1: Yeah and so many comedians want to be him.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, but you know people think they want something but they really don't man. I mean, you don't know his life. I don't know his life. You don't know each other's life so I think that the the fact of wanting, stop wanting. Forget don't want other people's stuff. Just enjoy what you got. Shit, you got health. What
1: what has been being in comedy you see some amazing moments and you even see incredible moments where comedians win over impossible crowds and you're like how did they do that what's been an example you've seen of another act or even yourself where you've had an absolutely nightmare of a crowd but somehow you saw them or yourself completely change them around and they're bowling over with
0: laughter uh, let me see let me see i've seen this um, I think having, for example, one of the things that, that it was crazy to see, I had a comedian, Luis de Alba, which is a huge Mexican comedian star in Mexico. Uh, he was performing at the Ontario Improv and nobody knew this. We were we we're about to present him with an award of sixty years in, in show business. And so sixty years, bro. Sixty oh, years. Sixty. Yes, he's been his first film was <clears> at <throat> eight years ago. Fucking so, hell. He's been in the union, the Mexican actors union since he was eight. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a huge star. I mean he's known all over Latin America. And I'm about to present him the award, but somebody else comes and taps me on the shoulder. and says, hey, I want to go up there with you. And it's Gabriel Iglesias. Ah. Gabriel Iglesias. You know. Yes, Gabriel Iglesias goes, yeah, I want to go up there with you. I want to meet the man. It's, I think he's a legend. He's. he's a, I'm a big fan. Gabriel's a big fan of Luis de Alba. Whoa. And I'm like, wow, Luis de Alba doesn't even know who Gabriel Iglesias is. But I'm pretty sure they're gonna meet right now and, and and but no, Luis knew exactly who Gabriel Iglesias was. He's like, I know who he is too. I was like, wow, you know yeah, and so wow. they both big fans of each other they just never met. so as soon as I'm up there, the audience went to see Luis Yalba. But then I said, Gabriel Iglesias, the audience goes I they just couldn't believe. That there was Luis de Alba and Gabriel Iglesias on the same stage, and we're there to present him for a 60 year award for being in, in the entertainment business. We were, I, that was one of the nights we were like, What the hell? This is crazy. Did you get
1: a selfie of both of them afterwards?
0: Of course, are you <laughs> kidding <laughs> That was awesome.
1: Ah. Oh. Well, What, <clears throat> Bloody hell. Uh, what? With being in LA, I'm guessing it, what made it even more awesome is sometimes when you see a famous person, they're not where you expect them to be. But when you saw them, that was like...
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I have had, I've had hung out with Gabriel uh, many times before, but just him wanting to come and say hello to Luis. For me I was like, oh my God, you're a fan. He's like, yeah, I'm a fan. And I was like, oh, that's so cool, dude. And 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 for Luis to know exactly who Gabriel was, too. He's like, oh, no, I know who he is. I was like, oh, wow. This is crazy. And then for them to, like, meet and hang out and we went to go have dinner afterwards and then ice cream, it was just crazy, dude. It was just a crazy, crazy night.
1: That's, yeah. <sighs> and-
0: Especially yeah, for a comedian, the Spanish and English comedy, so I've Fan of both, going like, "Wow, dude, this is crazy! They're both monsters here." Yeah, that
1: I don't know what to say though That's fucking amazing. Uh, What if you were? How has sort of comedy changed you? And if you were speaking to a a eight year old Richard Villa, and you're going to tell him about the comedy world, what would you tell him to prepare for?
0: I would tell them to stop making excuses and believe in yourself. You you have it. Just believe in yourself. Don't listen to everybody else. You got it. You got it. It's just you don't have people around you telling you you got it. Does that make sense? It's It's hard to do it alone. People that either there's two ways of you making it. You just believe it to the point where it's obnoxious and cocky. You have to believe it that hard, or you have to have an infrastructure of people around you that believe in you that hard for you to make it, because quitting is so easy, because slowing down is so easy, because making excuses is so easy. But when you have people around you believing in you, that gets you through that hard part. That gets you through that lump of wanting to quit, that wanting to slow down, wanting to find excuses. But you need the people around you to tell you and believe in you. It You ever see people that are in good luck? They're having good luck and all of a sudden they generate more people, people that are upbeat and, and happier, genuinely attract more people because people want to be part of a winning team. So once you have the peer pressure of the people around you believing in you, now you have nothing but to win. Why? Because I have more people believing in me. Or you personally believe it. That's the only way to make it. So if I can talk to my eight-year-old Richard, I would tell him, dude, you don't have the luxury of having an infrastructure of people that believe in you. You're gonna have to be the cocky Richard. You're gonna have to believe it so much that people think it's insulting and you go, I don't give a fuck. Because I don't have other people believing in me. I gotta believe it." So that's it. And how how
1: how has comedy changed you?
0: Oh, it's giving me the best job of my life. Look at this. It's eight o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, and I'm talking to you. It's it. Oh, it's nine o'clock. But yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'm here, right? This is what I do. Is my podcast back there. Um, I just wait for tonight. We're gonna do a show, and then this weekend I'm back on the road touring. That's it.
1: You're your own boss. You don't have to be in a nine. You don't have to be. You're your own boss. Yeah.
0: Cool. That's it. You just write. You write jokes, you watch TV, Uh, you smoke, and that's it. You chill.
1: I do wish that they made weed legal in London.
0: I didn't know how to say weed. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's California, baby. Here, it's, it's, I just have to call somebody to bring it to me. It's, have it. It's, it's, it's
1: legal in most parts of America, isn't it, weed now? It's
0: like. Yeah. Most
1: states already legal. Oh, oh, oh yeah. just a few still left. No, that's that's brilliant, man. Fucking hell. Um, I I had a lot of uh, comics that I I told them about this, and they're excited to hear about it. So oh, I'm gonna. Yeah. A lot of them from the UK. Um, but no, this has been brilliant, mate. Um, for anyone that wants to know about you, where do they find you, brother?
0: Uh, at Richard Comedy, I'm um, no, yeah, at Richard Comedy on all my platforms, or you can go to richardvia.com that'll take you to my website. It hasn't been updated, but it'll get you to all my links wherever you want to communicate. All right, guys,
1: if you want to know about Richard, you know where to go. Make sure you give this podcast a five star review on Amazon or iTunes, and I'll see you next episode, guys. Thank you guys, bye.